man, your, if your if your brother and your pops play, and you coming up in Mississippi, you wasn't you wasn't kind of geared towards to play football. I was, but I was six ten. Like my dad is six two. My older brother's six two. Um, funny story. Uh, my I have two brothers. Right, I'm the middle boy. We all weighed the same at our prime, all within that 250, 260 range. The difference is my older brother was 6'2", 260. I was 6'10", 260. And my younger brother, who was also a hooper, was 6'6", 260. So it's like three different body styles, three different body types. Um, but, yeah, I wanted to play football my whole life. And then I, between the ninth and 10th grade, I grew six inches. That was a wrap. Like, hey. football ain't in the, in the cars no more. You know what they say, Tone. I just got to hit you with it, man. How tall was the mailman? <laughs> you know, you know, I know you say that jokingly, but um, both of my brothers used to joke me about that. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, pops, pops five ten to six two. No, but but my mom is five eleven. Oh, that is right there. And that I had is. a granddad who was seven foot, so it oh. was in the lineage. It was in there. I, I ain't gonna throw my pops away like that. I ain't just gonna. <laughs> I ain't gonna take it from him like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was definitely a height difference. Hoop Dreams, the podcast, an Unlearning Network production. AJ, the man, joining us today on the Hoop Dreams Podcast. He's a father, an athlete, a broadcaster, a moneymaker. We call them entrepreneurs. <laughs> he is a Mississippi native who played college ball at SIU, Southern Illinois University, as well as Georgia and Pfeiffer before going on to play. Get this, AJ, 10 years in the league, man. Not one, not two, not three. 10 years in the league, four years overseas. He played with the Lakers, the Grizz, the Blazers, the Clips, Sonics, and the Hawks before going on to an 11-year run as an analyst with the Portland Trail Blazers. And he ain't stopped there. Then he said, you know what? I got I got to go make some real money. <laughs> then he became what I like to call an early pioneer in the legal size of the cannabis business, starting multiple companies and eventually merging them into legend foods and beverage. We'd like to welcome to the Hoop Dreams podcast, the one and only Mr. Big Time himself, Antonio Harvey. I'm Will <laughs> Gates, and that's my dog. Man, Arthur A.G. Big Tone, thanks for coming on the show, man. Let me let you know, I see that. What you said, I got my lighter ready. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening, guys? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, man. We're so glad you're here, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Boy, I, I was doing so much research on you, man. I said, yeah, I remember Tone. I said, I rem yeah, 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 yeah. So I got so much stuff, man, that I want to ask you. But let me just throw this first question. And we hit all our guests with this, man. Have you ever seen the movie Hoop Dreams? And if you have, what were your thoughts? Oh, man, yes, of course I've seen the movie Hoop Dreams. And I, I really think, you know, it's it's the truest side of the game. But it's also, like, what it's not what you should aim for, right? Like, I, I hate when people say, 
they tell the story only 1% of this and that and the other thing. It's like, yeah, but why can't I be the 1%? So don't, don't try to kill my hoop dreams just because you couldn't make it or you didn't make it. So my mindset, you know, from the movie was, Hey, I understand that not everybody gets in, but you know what? Somebody does. And in life, if somebody can do it, then damn it, it can be me. And that's literally the way I live my life. Absolutely. Preach that again. Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, that's real there. I think that might be the first time we had a guest that has come on and literally spit it like that. Because most guests have been like, you know, man, it's a great story. It's a humanitarian story. It's more than basketball. But I love that perspective. Hey, I'm going for it. <laughs> don't don't shoot it down. Hey, I, so so I've always I've always lived my life, and I was blessed. You know, I, was, I grew up in a single parent household. I had two brothers. My older brother played in the NFL. My dad, who was in and out, he played in the NFL. Nobody thought we could do that, right? That was not supposed to be a part of my equation, but I did it. And we were always taught no no plan B. Right. You, you go as hard as you can go. You give it everything you got, because if you fail, giving it everything you have, you still fail forward. Yeah. So why not? Why not push for the NBA? Let's say worst case scenario, I push for the league and then I do 12 years in Europe making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. Life ain't so bad. And that's right. Same thing around here. Like my wife and I went for it and now we're here and life ain't so bad. Man, I you, like the way I like I was, the way you say that, Ag. Life ain't really that bad. I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> so how was that? How was that Mississippi playground ball coming up? You know what? You know what's funny, man is is as I I give all of my success to the Mississippi Gulf Coast, right? And I say that because um, when I was growing up, first we played outside. It was you know, and you're in Houston, so you are in Texas, so you know it's hot as fish grease and it's humid as hell, right? <laughs> so between the two, you playing outside all the time. You, you develop a different type of blood for lack of way of putting it. Then mm-hmm. we talk so much trash. 
all yeah. day long <laughs> that when I got to the league, like people talk about Gary Payton talking trash. Listen, I heard all of that on the playgrounds in high school. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't, no knock on GP, but like, nah, dog. Like, okay, it was normal behavior. What GP right. did was normal for where I grew up. So when I say I give it credit for that, man, they ironed me. Like, they made me iron sharp as iron. They created an iron mentality because that was the only way I knew. Like, right. I'm not going right. I'm not gonna finish this fight. And I know both of y'all old enough to recognize this statement. We're going to fight till I win. Absolutely. Period. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Right? So Absolutely. that's, and you know, what's funny. I think you guys can recognize this too. It ain't a lot of fights back when we were growing up because that was the mentality. Yeah. We're going to fight till I win, which means guess what? We're going to fight till you win. So we're going to fight all damn day. So let's just not fight at all and <laughs> call it quits. Exactly. As a matter of fact, I, I was going to even throw this at you. I was going to say, shoot, man, the playground, um, that's where you learn not to even call fouls. No blood, no foul. No blood, no foul. Man, it's a mentality. You know, we can talk about that. could be a whole show for as far as I'm concerned. But absolutely. It's just a difference in the mentality, man. Growing up in Mississippi, plus being a black kid in the 70s in Mississippi, you know, they did not think we had the acumen to be able to do the things we do. And so that was a part of the challenge. Oh, you don't think I'm smart enough. Oh, you don't think I'm, I'm, I'm athletic enough. Oh, you don't think I'm this. I'm going to do it just because you don't think I can. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, man, because we, we had a guest on not too long ago and and I'm jumping a, a little ahead a little bit, but we'll, we'll, we'll round it back. But the guests, and, and I want to get your thoughts on this because the guest was like, you know, that American basketball players are not that smart and the overseas basketball players are intelligent. Uh, one, I, it, it, it disturbed me because I'm sitting there saying to myself, like, what are you trying to say? We dumb? If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. Because I'm looking like, man, I know I get it. 99% of the league is African-American. So we got... You know, and they always throw the same two guys at you. They hit you with Joker. They hit you with Luca. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, so you saying, Bron ain't smart? Jordan wasn't smart? Magic wasn't smart? Kareem wasn't smart? Like, what's your thoughts on that, man, when you hear stuff like that? Oh, man. So, you know, obviously I did the broadcast thing, so I've heard it all, right? Mm -hmm. um, first and foremost, there's 400, maybe 500 people in the league. They point to two. There's over 100 Euro players in the league right now, they point to two, 2%. 2% of the Euros are worth pointing at. Now let's take the other, the other, so there's four, at least 400 guys left. Let's take the other 40. So let's take 40%. I can name them. I can name, is Kevin Durant an intellectual basketball player? Hell yeah, he is. Every team. What about James Harden? What about Joel Embiid? What about, uh, let's just run them down by roster. What about... Ben, ben Carroll, right? Uh, Shea Gilgis, whatever I can't, Alexander uh, in Oklahoma City. Damian Lillard, right? Um, uh, well, he got LeBron. I mean, come on, man. Like, there is nobody smarter in the game than LeBron James. And how about that whole Golden State roster? Like, I'm tired of the narrative that Euro players are smarter. No, they're slower. Yes. They're less athletic. Yes. So they have to adjust their game. 
to be a different type of basketball doesn't make them more intelligent. I, um, years ago, man, this is, and I never finished it, but I, I started a book called the genius of athletes, right? Mm-hmm. Because think about geometry on a jump shot. And I, I, I was inspired watching Brandon Roy B Roy could pull up and on a whim, like instantly change the trajectory of his jump shot based on where the defender is and how he's playing them. You don't think that's genius? That's a level of mathematics that's happening in his brain instantly. It's physics. It's it's math. It's all of that art, science, all of that happening at once. But they'll tell me that he ain't that smart. Man, get out of here with that. They'll say that it's athletics. They'll say that he's he's an athlete. He's athletic. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the things that I think the, the gentleman pointed out was, and I want to get your thought on this too, he pointed out that you know, that these guys are great passers and, and, you know, they'd rather pass the ball than score the ball. But I say, my thing is, but when I look at his numbers, he's averaging 30. So he obviously is shooting the basketball, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. He may be getting, you know, eight assists. Like I had an argument with a guy, man, just yesterday at the barbershop and I'm telling him <laughs> Trey Young is just as good as Luca. I said, they numbers They've, since Trey walked into the league, he's been getting 26, 27, 10. I said, he's leading the league in assists right now. Yep. And I said, he's yeah. getting you five, six rebounds. No, man, Luca's just so much more. He's just a better, more intelligent player. What are we talking about? Well, is that uncommon? Go ahead. I'm sorry, dog. No, no, no. no, no I mean, I was just going to say, like, it, it never really, that, that term, like, never really bothered me in, in that sense because I always felt psychologically that the person or or group of people who think that way is because they're thinking in their head of how the game is supposed to be played. But you can't put that on individuality of guys that's, you know, have all range of different types of talent and all that. And you can't say that they're not intelligent ball players. So I always thought it was a just a general thing of how they thought the game should be played. And then let me sneak this in. What is playing the right way? Is that intelligent? <laughs> or is it winning? I'll tell you what it is for me. That, what, it's, 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 <laughs> what it is, what it is, Big Tone. <laughs> it's getting that it's getting that jewelry. Um, so all right, so so we I, I we we know what we're saying. We don't necessarily want I'll say it. It's racist. It's 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 steeped in institutional racism, right? They can't find an American white boy to play basketball at the level that brothers play, right? So they go to Europe, and don't get me wrong. I man, I'm taking nothing from Joker. I'm taking nothing from Donkic. I'm taking nothing from none of them cats. But I'll give you one. And, and if, you, if you're in Texas, you're going to recognize this. The best example I can give of how they want to whitewash the NBA is Dirk Nowitzki's statue in Dallas. Mm. A one-leg fade away. They give him all the credit for the one leg fade away. I had to guard. No, no, that's dream. Mm-hmm. Dream used to do a, a, a spin, step in, step back, fade and release it. Yep. He was the first yep. one doing that on a regular basis. And I know cause I had to guard dream. I remember like, where in the hell did that come from? Like, you know, I knew he had this, I knew he had the dream shake. I was ready for that. That's well, right, that's right. I wasn't ready for that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> right, 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 right. But I had seen that, and then all of a sudden, dude, pop, pop, and fades back with a, I mean, leaning. 
and let it rise. High Archer in the rim. Nobody talks about dreams fade away. They only talk about Dirk's fade away. You know why? Because Dirk was a white boy that did it first. Well, how about this one? How about this one? Which, which, this, this is the one that gets me. The Euro step. Come on. Seriously. I was doing that in grade school. Change the direction. Yes! That's it. Change the direction. To change the direction. But no, we're going to give it the Euro step because Manu came in. And let's be clear, Manu ain't from Europe. Manu's right. from South America. <laughs> so we need to call that the South American step. Stop that's playing right. with me. Right. That's right. Like, I, I, man, that's right. there's a lot of this stuff that's going on in the if league you, right you, now. If you go back, you can see Drazen Petrovic do it. And um, the other the other guy. All of them did it. Marcellonis, all of them. Yeah. Now, now. Now, I'm going to tell you, the other thing that frustrates me is when I hear this conversation about Joker and how great he is and how unique he is. Does nobody remember Arvidas Sabonis? Do we forget about what Sabas could do? Had he been? Come on, man. Like nothing, nothing new under the sun, folks. Nothing. If you're a nothing. basketball historian, you nothing. recognize Joker's great, but he ain't no better than, 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 than Sabas. Luka Doncic is great. But he ain't no better than Bird. In fact, I'd like to see that comparison. What's Luca's numbers compared to Bird's? Similar, except Bird got three rings. Yeah, yeah a little bit of jewelry for Larry Bird. Like, mm-hmm. stop it, folks. Stop it. Mm-hmm. We got to stop with this. Mm-hmm. With this. Oh, come on. All right. Any rate, I'm gonna get off the racist <laughs> stuff. We know what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I just, I just want to throw that at you, man. But uh, on, on, on the, on the podcast, man. You know, it's we call it the Hoop Dreams Podcast, but it's really. It's about you, man. So, uh, who who was who put the ball in your hand? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would probably say my older brother, right? Like, um, we started. He started me late. Like, I, I, you know, a lot of people don't know this, so I shared on with you guys. I didn't start playing basketball until I was 15, 14, 15 years old. Wow! wow. Like, I was, I was. I was always a little bit taller than everybody else, right? So after the ninth grade year, um, I had a big growth spurt. I went from 6'4 to 6'10. Um, and I was always a tall, kind of goofy kid anyway because I was so rangy and so skinny. Uh, then I had the growth spurt, and that was when my older brother was like, hey, we got to get serious about this. Like, you have a talent. Now, physically, you know, man, I was 6'10 with a 38-inch vertical. So physically, mm. I was unlike the rest of the league. So he got me started and really started challenging me. And then, you know, I got to college. Well, I went through high school. I played one year of varsity basketball. Um, I was, <laughs> funny story, I was third team All-American, but I wasn't all-conference. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. I, um, in high school, yeah. I was in Mississippi. Now, Keep in mind, like I, I say that, but I also got to put a caveat out there. I graduated my senior year. We had, let's see, Clarence Witherspoon, Lindsey Hunter, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, Laterial Green, me. Uh, we had six guys go to the league that class. And then the next year was James Robinson and a couple of other guys. So we had talent. But what happened was um, my high school team, I was the fourth best player. In high school, we had five. I had five Division One athletes, um, but I had a hell of a summer. The summer before my senior year, I did a bunch of touring camps and made a name for myself. 
And that's where the third team All-American came from. But on my roster, I was still the fourth best player. Wow. wow. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, I, told, I, I, tell, I said it earlier, I give credit to Mississippi and how it brought me along. The only reason I made it into the league was because I knew how to be a teammate. So I was the fourth best player on my high school team. I was the second best player on my, my college team at Pfeiffer. My point guard, Tony Smith, greatest point guard. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. What I ever played with, he was 5'7", averaged 30 and 10 through four years of college. Unreal. Unlimited range. He had Steph Curry range back in 88. Um, but I, I've never been the best player on my roster. So I had to learn how to be a teammate in order to make it. And so when I got to the Lakers, my rookie year, that's what it was. It was like, man, how am I going to make this roster? I don't have no guarantees. How am I going to get in here? Ooh, when, no, when those guys go out to the club tonight, I'm going to go study the playbook. When the, right? When the coach says, get on the line, when everybody else is bent over, you know, grabbing the shorts, I'm going to get back to the line and stand up like I ain't hurting, even though my heart's literally about to explode out of my chest. But I'm not going to let them see that. They're going to think, he, oh, this kid's in great shape and he's willing to do this and he knows all the plays. So that's that's kind of where the game evolved for me was just being being a teammate. And my brother got me started and then it was just my passion after that. I mean, being a fourth fourth best player on your on your team, like, that says to me, that's where you learned how to compete at. Oh yeah, where, where you learned how to go against other other guys that they that that people think better than you or whatever. I have to show these guys like I ain't afraid of them. Like I can play on this level. Like that com- that competitive confidence that you have. Yep. And, and now, uh, so say that I say I was a fourth best player, but I also got to put it. I got to put some asterisks around that. Not asterisks, but some parentheses around that. My the leading score averaged 18 points a game. Mm. I averaged 15.5. Mm. So we compressed our our team was so good that the scoring and the rebounding and everything was so compressed. We we started six, let me see, six two, six four, six seven, six nine, six ten. They had a Kentucky team in high school. My two guard ended up playing at Kentucky. Really? Yeah, uh, Dale Brown, 19 – he was – he was he played in the Final Four against Michigan in New Orleans when uh, the game bef- – he got hurt, Michigan went on to win the game. Jamal Mashburn, that whole squad. Wow, wow. Yeah, so wow. we had a whip. Uh, my, my, my power forward, who was my best friend, played at UAB. Uh, my point guard played at Texas A&M. 
Mm. And then Fred went to University of Louisiana. Not Louisiana State, but University who, of Louisiana. Who was the point guard forward. that played at UAB? Oh, no, that was my power forward. His name was Elbert Rogers. Elbert Rogers. 6'7", 6'8". Um, Dale Brown. Isaac Brown is now the head coach at Wichita State. That's my point guard. He's now the head coach there. Like, man, like I said, man, we, we were iron. We were iron sharpening iron. Like, all of us went on to do beyond just high school, beyond just college stuff. So it was, it was a good look. And, you know, it's so it's so crazy you hit on that because, I mean, when I asked you that, said you had to be competitive and all that. Now these guys is friends on TikTok and for they play they play like they friends in the on the court like it's just it ain't no Isaiah Magic like I'm or you know that that whole we on the court now it's war it's a battle I'm gonna knock you out I'm gonna knock you out just like I'm what oh that's it that's it um my my when I was I told you guys I went on a tour the summer before my senior year and that's when I made a made a name for myself. One of the games, we played a, a big tournament in Kentucky. I can't remember the name of it now, but we played against a team called ARC Mid-Valley, A-R-C Mid-Valley, California. They had Derek Martin, um, Don McClain, Tracy Murray, uh, Mitchell Butler. Like I, They had a bunch of NBA guys. Mm-hmm. Well, being from Mississippi, Don McClain was the first white boy I'd ever seen that could actually get down. Like, get down, get down. And he talked trash, right? <laughs> so we're in this tournament, and Don McClain is giving me the business. I think he ended up with like 30. That, giving me the business. That's the UCLA kid, right? Yes. That, all yes. right. Giving me the business, talking trash. And like I said, I don't mind talking trash. I was cool with that. But he was just yapping, yapping, yapping. The funny part of the story is I, after that, I didn't see Don until our rookie year. The summer before our rookie year, in L.A. playing pickup ball, leading in the training camp. And I'm sitting in the gym. Now I'm, I went through summer league. I'm, I'm on the roster. I know I'm in the league. Um, I had seen him on TV a couple of times with the bullets. He walks in the gym. Dog, I swear to God, I saw red. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's that dude. That's that dude. I got to have it. He's going to get it today. <laughs> <laughs> After about five days of that, like real talk, after about five days of that, he said, Harv, man, what the, what what I do to you, man? And I had to like self-analyze, like, man, you're going to love this. And then I told him the story, and we became really good friends after that. <laughs> but you talk about the competitive nature of us versus today's game. We said it earlier. We going to fight till I win. When I saw Don McClain, he beat me. So guess what? It's on and popping. Like what they say today, it's on site. It was on site with Don McClain. On site. <laughs> <laughs> now, now who, who, do, who do you blame for that, though, man? Because clearly there's, a, there, there's an element that made the game change to what it is now. Who, who lies fault with that? Uh, I don't think it's a person. I think it's just the general basketball circuit that exists, social media, access, Right. Like mm-hmm. I know who Sean Kemp was, but I didn't know Sean Kemp. Right. Right. Sean and I are the same. I knew who Zoe was, Alonzo Mourning. I knew who he was, but I didn't know him. Right. I just knew he played my position and that he was ranked in front of me and that if I ever got a chance to play him, I had to show up. Yep. Mm-hmm. These dudes go to the same tournaments. Right. And they play on the same teams. You know, like 
Nike or, or, or Adidas or whoever it is, they have the 10 best players in the country playing on the same roster. Mm. All them dudes going to get drafted next year. Right. So, and now they friends cause they didn't spent the whole damn summer together. You know, I, I heard, uh, what's his face? Um, the boy from Golden State, Draymond Green. Okay. Calling LeBron the greatest of all time. I don't have an argument over if it's LeBron or if it's MJ. I tell you who it never would have been in my eyes. It was never going to be Gary Payton or Sean Kemp or anybody that I considered my contemporary. Mm. You see what I'm saying? I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. If I'm calling you the greatest of all time, I'm already admitting that I can't play with you. That's right. That's right. So I'm never going to do that. Yeah. You're, I'm always competing. Now, years later, maybe. Maybe I can give you that love. Kobe Bryant is, the, is a great example of, of that for me. Okay. I came in in 93. Kobe came in in 96. I couldn't stand that dude. Like, he was <laughs> because he was arrogant and good and he worked and he did all the stuff that, you know. Yeah. And he won. But then when I retired, and now I'm not competing against you anymore. Mm-hmm. Now I can observe. Then I'm like, oh, man, this dude puts in a lot of work. Damn, he puts in a lot of work. Then he retired, and now we're not competitive at all. Uh-huh. Now I can go back and look at the mentality and the mindset and the work ethic. And, and I'm like, man, why do we have this conversation about Kobe and Mike without putting – about Mike and, and LeBron – without putting Kobe in the conversation. Right. That's that's disrespectful already. Come on, man. Right. And I'm not, and again, I don't have a a dog in the fight because if you pick MJ, you're right. If you pick LeBron, you're right. If you pick Kobe, you're right. Shit, if you pick Kareem, you're right. If you pick Wilt, you're right. It's all about what's for you. Yeah. But to not put Kobe in the conversation, knowing what he did and how he did it, is disrespectful and we gotta stop that. We gotta That's like yeah. we gotta like like man, this dude I, I make my son watch Kobe videos nonstop. Learn the like really learn the mentality because dude was ridiculous. Relentless is the only way to describe him. <laughs> Sorry. I can go on tangents about hoops, man. No, I don't know if y'all can no, 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 we hey, can't. Hey, we, we, we love it. Hey, we students we of the game, it. man. I know I am. <laughs> so look, hard, let me it. ask you this though. Uh, because you hit on this because you said that your brother had told you, you know, you you can you can go do something with this game because the league had never seen nothing like you before. So right. let's talk about your game from high school to college to pro, the maturation of how you had to change and add certain things to your game for you to even stick in the league for eleven years. Uh, so high school, I was an athlete, right? I just run down the court, catch the ball, jump over people, dunk it. Um, when I was recruited coming out of high school, I had college. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. His coaches like come in and, and tell me, one of the things we love is that you're a blank slate. You're a 6'10 uber athlete. We can create what we want, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, though, it was my my idols. 
Scottie Pippen. My idols were less back to the basket, more perimeter-oriented bigs because I was 6'10", 210, right? When I, when I was that age, I was so light, I couldn't go up and over people. I had to go around them. So I developed a more perimeter-oriented game. Um, but my rookie year, I, made, I make the Lakers team. I play everywhere from small forward to center, mm. right? My second year, Dale Harris gets the job with the Lakers, and I'm going through training camp. I spent all summer. It's a true story. I spent all summer working on my jump shot, perfecting my jump shot out to the three-point line. I'm stroking it, stroking it. I'm having a great summer. Get to training camp. I'm having a great training camp. Dale Harris calls me in his office. Harv, I got a place for you on the roster, but it's not shooting. <laughs> I need you rebounding and blocking shots. That was my last jump shot of training camp right there. Last fellas. jump shot. He's like, okay, <laughs> all right, I'm going to do all that. But then stay on the team. All right, I got yeah. you, coach. So, so when you ask, like, how my game evolved, I really don't know that my game evolved. My mentality evolved. Mm. Right, like, like the part you know we talk about the, the the years in the NBA, but what the part of the story that gets kind of left out is that I did four years in the league, then I went to Europe for two years mm. and had to make it back. Mm. Right, and that's where the mentality change was. I mean, I was killing it in Europe. I was averaging you know eighteen points and ten rebounds. I was leading every league in in block shots. Like I was doing work in Europe. But I felt like I, I, had, I had let myself down when I, at my time in the league because, as you guys are, sh- I'm sure, well aware, it's one thing to make it. It's a different thing to stay. Absolutely. That's it. Right? Making it, you have one expectation. Staying is a different expectation. Right? And so when I went to Europe for those two years, I worked on my game, but I also worked on my mentality. Um, the mentality of get low. Get low. How low can you go to make it? Other people want to want to be here. I'm willing to go sub basement if I, if that's what it takes to get to where I'm trying to go. And a lot of people don't want to do that. Can you mm. can you break that down for some of our listeners to understand what that means? So when I say get low, I mean like what's the most base element to making it, whatever that is. So for me, it was hustle, right? Who's going to outwork you? Nobody. Who's going to stay longer than you? Nobody. Who's going to be in the weight room longer than you? Nobody. Who's going to execute the way the coach tells you to more than you? Nobody. And that became the mentality. I'm not trying to be a star in the NBA no more. I just don't want to go back to Europe. And if that means I got to not play to be on a roster and just show up every day at practice and kill it in practice, knowing I won't get in the game. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's what I'll do. Um, My first year in Portland, we had a young Jermaine O'Neal. And let's be very clear, Jermaine O'Neal as a young kid was a monster. Absolutely. Like yeah. we had, but we had Rashid Wallace, Arbitus Bonus, Brian Grant playing in mm. front of him. Yeah. Um, we had a couple of injuries. And for whatever reason, Mike Dunleavy, I think it's because I was a veteran at that time, was playing me in front of Jermaine. Jermaine had just signed a new contract. This was like the first five or six games of the season. And my agent called me and said, um, Hey, I'm going to get you out of there. I got some other teams we're talking to. Now, I had already made the, the Blazers roster. But my agent calls and says, hey, I got some other teams looking because they want to shut you down. And I'm like, what do you mean, shut me down? I'm playing good basketball. He said, yeah, you are. That's why I can get you to other teams. But they want Jermaine to play in front of you. 
the, this is the upper management wanted J.O. to play. And rightfully so, by the way. Again, I'm not saying I was better than Jermaine. I wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. But they made the decision. The coaching staff made the decision. Man, I told my agent, don't you pull me nowhere. If they got, if I got to sit on the bench to make this money and be in the NBA, I'm good. Mm-hmm. What I will not do is sacrifice this opportunity for my ego. Mm-hmm. Not going to let that happen. When I got to – when I made the team in Seattle, Nate McMillan came down the first day and said, all right, just so you know, I have no minutes for you. None. But I got a roster spot. I need you to balance out my locker room. I got two guys that like to drink and party, and I need you to take these other nine young kids mm. and teach them the NBA. Mm. Mm. So mentality. wasn't It wasn't that I didn't jump as high, I didn't run as fast, I didn't shoot as well. Man, my whole mentality flipped when I got back to the league. Like, I want to sit my ass in the back of the locker room and do what the coach tells me to do and make this money and get low and stay low until this thing is over with. And I wrote it out for another – and I played another six or seven years after that. Like, okay, I can do this. The only the only time it hurt me was when I went back to Europe at the end end of my career because I couldn't figure out how to become a star again. Mm-hmm. I spent so much time – being a good teammate, but when you're in Europe, you know, they want you to lead the team in scoring and rebounding and block shots and assists and field goal percentage. I didn't have that mentality. So I would kill it in practice and then get in the game and not even be present. And they couldn't understand. I couldn't understand why at the time, but hey, it is what it is, man. I got 14 years out of them. A lot of people don't do that. So I'll, I'll take them. I know that's right. I know that's right. Crazy. Hey, talk to us a little bit, man, because you you had a journey to even get to the league, man, in terms of your college recruiting. Uh, I mean, you, Southern, Georgia, Pfeiffer. Tell us about that recruiting journey because that takes mentality too, though. <laughs> well, uh, the, I can tell you that the first the first few years were ego-driven, right? Um, like I said, I was a late bloomer. I was in, in a lot, you know, the other side is I was a 17-year-old graduate, right? I should have been held back a year at some point earlier. And I think had my mom known I was going to be 6'10", she probably would have. But I was also such a, uh, a headache at home, she was probably having to get my ass up out of there. But um, so I got to SIU, and we were actually planning to redshirt my freshman year because I was so young and so raw. Then I get there, and I'm just killing everybody. I, at my position, I'm putting in work. So they were like, no, nah, we're going to play you. So I ended up playing my freshman year, um, but it was it was sporadic. Like I, I'll never forget, we played University of, I think it was St. Louis University, and I had a really good game. And then the next game, I don't play. Mm. But all oh, played limited minutes, and the coach is like, "Wow, well, you know, I don't want to put that kind of pressure on a freshman." Yada yada. It was a bunch of bull jive. Um, so I just remember thinking, I got to get out of here. Mm. And the coach that recruited me, and that's a whole whole conversation but the coach that recruited me Robert McCullum who's now the head coach at FAMU coach Mack started out at South Alabama I'm going to make the story as quick as I can coach Mack started out at South Alabama which is close to home it's about 30 minutes from home my older brother was at a camp at uh, South Alabama basketball camp because he was a basketball he was a two-sport athlete with his team coach Mack saw me he knew I was young and tall put a basketball in my hand First one, right? Went went to the what they call it the, the 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 food shack and got one of the little camp balls. Gave me a ball, anyway. And he started recruiting me then. So when he got to SIU, 
I had 187-ish college scholarship offers, and I chose a mid-major. They uh, they ended up, uh, what do they call it, investigating the recruitment process. Like, it was a thing back oh, then. Wow. No, so he left after my freshman year, and when he left, I was like, man, I don't want to be stuck with these dudes, so I'm out of here. Um, I played in the U.S. Olympic Festival in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Played really well. Uh, Laterial was at the University of Georgia. We were home. He was actually at the Olympic Festival, and he and I were talking. I said, I think I'm leaving. Man, about 30 minutes later, Tavesta Anderson, Coach A, was calling me from University of Georgia, <laughs> starting a recruiting process. Signed at UGA. Um, big campus. You know what happened. Big campus. You know, undisciplined. Hey, no classes, no grades. Um, I don't, I try not to hide that story because it's such a huge part of where oh, I ended up. Yeah, right. Can tell it. So, you have to tell that. So, they go help somebody. They, they, right? they, it, and, they and they probably doing that right now. No, exactly. we know they is. We know they doing it. So, I ended up at, at uh, Pfeiffer. Best decision of my life. Uh, small school, six, seven hundred students, maybe, right? But hella, 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 hella good people. Um, had a great two years. Um, coach Lutz, my head coach, still tight to this day. Uh, there's a class, there's a reunion day after tomorrow because we went to the Final Four twice while I was there, NAIA Final Four. There's a reunion this weekend. The entire team gets back together once a year. So it was a tight group. Um, wow. Who needs an alarm in the morning? When McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. And a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And I think that was the journey. But, I, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, in business, I have this philosophy. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll get low, right? I'm going to get low in business, too. Um, I learned that from all of those moves, right? From going from SIU to Georgia to Pfeiffer to L.A., to the Lakers, to the Clippers, to the Grizzlies. To the, like, I don't have a team. I am, I am a basketball guy. I am a businessman. My thought process is simple. Whatever it takes to win, that's what we do. Uh, and that was my mentality as a hooper. So, you know, we talk about that mentality. That's what it was. It became, I'm getting low. Y'all can, you know, and, and both of y'all played hoops, so you know low shoulders win, right? If I can get my shoulders below your shoulders, Right. Get low. So so after all of that, to answer your question, that's the best example I can give. Low shoulders win. Get low if you want to win. That's what we do every day. I like that. I like that. That's that's real there. Well, well listen, man, we, we, we want to do this thing called uh, halftime with you. OK. And what it is, is uh, we're going to hit you with some quick hitters. And my man, A.G., going to jump it off first, man. Hit him, A.G. Let me get uh, just one, what, yeah, a player and a team. Your toughest high school matchup player and a team. Gulfport High School, Chris Jackson, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Easily. It ain't even close. <laughs> it ain't even close. It ain't even close. <laughs> um, you guys, if you guys weren't on the coast, you didn't, you know, you didn't get a chance to see him in that yeah. at that level. Yeah. The stuff he was doing at the NBA was the stuff he was doing in high school. We were not ready. 
What? <laughs> we were we were not ready. But the but I, I told you guys. So I had Latero was in the city next to mine. Me and Latero grew up seven minutes apart. Wow. Right. He averaged thirty and ten. He was a McDonald's All American. Mahmoud was twenty minutes the other direction. Right. All along I ten on the Gulf Coast. When we faced each other, either one of those two teams, my senior year, they moved us to a seven thousand seat arena. Wow. Because we were a show, like a show show. I think, like I said, I averaged 15 points a game. I, get, I bet I got seven dunks a game. And they were high-flying dunks. Then you got my mood and Latero, right? And then, I, like I said, I was the fourth-best player on my roster. So, yeah, it was it was, it was a good time. So, easily my mood, Abdul Raoul. That is crazy. That's crazy. All right, man, get, give me three players in college that you played with or against that you thought should have made it to the league. Ooh, oh, Stacy Poole, University of Florida, 1988 through 92. Um, my point guard at Pfeiffer, Tony Smith, uh, NAIA All-American. His jersey is retired in four different places in Europe. Dude was a baller, like next level baller. Uh, fourth guy, uh, that might be a little tougher. I might go with this cat named Marshall Wilson that I played with at the University of Georgia. He was a 6'8", ultra-fluid small forward that could shoot it from three, put it on the floor, make the right pass. He was Scottie Pippen 2.0. Wow. But he was so fluid and so easy going in the game that people didn't think he had that fire. Mm. Like, imagine, you know how people talked about T-Mac? Oh, he doesn't really want to be here. No, he's just that damn good that he doesn't have to put forth the same effort. So <laughs> I would probably say Marshall Wilson would be number three. That is. Hey, your three your three toughest college stadiums you played in. Ooh. Let's see. Um, Wichita State. Really? LSU. Vanderbilt. Oh. Vanderbilt has that raised court, you know, and you sit off kind of like yeah. opera style. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and Vandy, you know, Vandy's a 4.0 school. So you got all of these super smart kids that dive into your background and they coming at you hard. They talking Ooh. about, you know, when you didn't do this or, you know, <laughs> when you didn't do that. So definitely I'd say, I'd say those three right there. <laughs> now, you, you talked about this earlier. You said that uh, McLean gave it to you. I want the opposite. Have you ever gave it to a guy and, you, and when you met him in the league, who was it? I would say probably Shaq. Mm, really? Yeah. Um, we played against each other when he was at LSU. I was at UGA. Um, I had my college, I had my, my season high against Shaq at LSU. Now, he still get, I got his. They got 25 or something like that. But I think I had like 22 points and 13 rebounds. I can't remember the exact numbers, but I had my season high against Shaq. And uh, after the game, you know, we, they, brought, they bring us in. You know, Shaq's All-American. And they're giving me the interviews. Oh, you know, you played against Shaquille O'Neal and he dominated the game. And, you know, da 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 I said, listen, man, he had 24. Last week he played against Arizona. Arizona had, God rest their souls, Sean Rooks and Brian Williams, Bison Daley. Mm. They were both all Americans. He had like 35 against them. So that's what I told him. Like, mm. hey, man, you all coming at me like he dominated me. Right. I held him to fewer points than they did. So as far as I'm concerned, this was my night. Like, y'all right. tripping. <laughs> right. Like, I had my best night. I had tonight. my best night. So I would probably say Shaq. 
your favorite sneakers that you played in during your career? Uh, Jordan 4s, Jordan 5s. I think it was the Jordan 5s with the little shark teeth on the side. Mm-hmm. I think it was the 5. I had to look them up, um, but easily my favorite. Um, I ain't even really close. First, I'm an MJ. I told you, uh, I've admitted I'm an MJ guy. Okay. So exactly. anything MJ Jordan, guy. anything Jordan is going to be my favorite. Um, but that particular shoe because it had a lot of technology that was forward thinking, but it was also retro at the time. Definitely. I think it's the four to five. I have to look it up. It's the five. It's the five. It's, it's the five. Okay. Will, Will, I like how you say here. Will, I like how you say here, MJ guy, but you know, when Jordan went baseline on him, he had to pin, pin Jordan shit to the glass. Took it oh, off the man. glass. Took it off the glass like with one hand, Will. Oh, yeah. I'm still trying to find a picture of that, by the way. I can't find it. I've seen the video. So I'm trying to find a picture. Yeah, oh. I'm like, look at look at Hall. Got never pinning Mike shit on the glass and taking it down. That's so right. um, so it's funny, man. Yeah, we were talking about um, uh, shit, LeBron and oh boy, and how the praise, uh, Draymond Green and the praise. And you can't do that with guys that are your contemporaries. But I grew up with Jordan on my wall in college, right? He was all wall, wall to wall, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Um, my rookie year, he was out of the league. My second year, he was making his comeback, and there was rumors. And he came back two games after we played them my second season. So I'm in my third year, and I hadn't seen MJ yet. And wow. The game that you're talking about where I blocked his shot is also the game where he got off the bench and made his comeback and beat us in Vancouver. Uh, Matt knows that story. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. but what people don't know is the day before that game at the Vancouver practice facility, there were multiple courts. But one court was enclosed, four walls you couldn't see out. Then on the other side, they had like, like uh, rec courts or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we're practicing on our court. We finish our practice. I go to the weight room. I'm sitting on the bench press. I'm getting my, my strong on, right? I'm doing my thing. I sit up, take a breath, look to my left or my right. That's Mike right there. Shut it down. Straight school girl at a concert. Sitting there staring at Mike. <laughs> oh, what you say? Oh, oh I'm saying school girl. Shut it down. Like I'm talking about, I know at a certain point he had to be like, who, who is who is the weird dude staring at me right there? <laughs> Ask me if I care. I ain't care. Right. I ain't care. I ain't care. That's my idol. That's my basketball idol. That's, that's Black Jesus sitting right there. Yeah. <laughs> staring. Hard I couldn't even, Gail couldn't even get the rest of my workout in. I'm just watching Mike. <laughs> you know, like you know, <laughs> you know. I'm, I'm, I'm think, mm, look at the sweat on his elbow. I want to. I turned into a straight up fan. I had never been a fan of nothing. I was a Jordan fan that day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but but oh, but then you go block his shot though. Oh, once oh man, once they threw it up, it was on him. You know. <laughs> Look, I'm a fan until they throw it up. The they only person, the only person I was ever like, I ever tried to like take a slightly different approach with on the court was Shaq when he got to the league because dude was so big you couldn't guard him. Right, right, right. And he was, and he was not only big, 
He was big. He was agile. He was athletic. And he was mean. Mm-hmm. Like, people don't realize he's a big, joking dude now. But on the court, he wanted to embarrass you. Yes. Right? Yes. So yes. you had to go on the court and talk to him like, hey, man, how your family doing? Everything good? <laughs> you, uh... <laughs> <laughs> how was man. your pre- how was your pregame meal, man? <laughs> man Y'all still at the same hotel? <laughs> you see what I'm saying, man? Man, why you ain't call me, man? I would have come through and scoop jump. We could have went and got dinner or something. My treat, my treat, dog. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You're right about that, man. People don't recognize how massive Shaq was, man. Like, man, like, like just, and I ain't even just talking about his height, but his. Everything was massive. Everything. Man, that joker had big hands, big feet. I mean, everything. Dog, he. Um, we had a game plan. I'll never forget my my when I was with the Blazers. We had a game plan, and the game plan was meet him early. Meaning, when he's coming down the court, you want to meet him way out out past the three point line and just you know fight him, fight him, fight him, fight him down to the post. Don't just give him the position. So we're we're, we're playing him as late in the season. And Tim Gergerich is our one of our assistant coaches, and Gerg is like the guru of, of basketball. Like he's my guy. But Gerg is yelling at me, Harv, meet him early, meet him early. Meet, like this is all game. Finally, I look at Gerg, I say, man, I am meeting him early. It don't matter. He is walking my ass right down to the post, getting the ball and dunking it. Like, stop yelling at me. I can't do nothing with this dude. I'm trying, coach. Hey, Harv, like this, like this, like. <laughs> yes, he just right. pushed it hard back. Like, hey, hey, you know what happened that game, right? They, they had, they had, they put the game up there. It got Shaq name. He was just put good luck. <laughs> <laughs> there are no tendencies, just good luck. Yes, good. <laughs> there are like for real because he, you know, and the thing with Shaq is, and, and this is not to diminish his accomplishments, but he wasn't a skilled player. He was just dominant, like dominant at a level we had never seen before. Um, so, yeah, you couldn't game plan. Is he going to turn over his right shoulder? We don't know. Is he going to turn over his left shoulder? We don't know. We just know he wants to get close enough to dunk it on your head. I don't say that you did know. He was going to dunk it. <laughs> <laughs> that you did know. Every time. To go. Yes, yes. Oh, man, that dude. Hey, man, give me your, your three toughest players you played against in the league. Oh, MJ, Kobe. Oh, let me see. Let me think about the third one. Um, you know what? I give Scottie Pippen a lot of love, man. Mm, yeah. You know, Pip does not get nearly the amount of love he deserves for that era. Uh, you know, and I could probably throw Charles in there. I throw names that people don't necessarily recognize. Wayman Tisdale, God rest him. Wayman Tisdale was a monster. A beast. Right? Like, there's a lot. I, I, I can't name three because I'd have to look at Sean Kemp. Um, Wayman, Wayman was hyped coming into the league, and he lived up to the hype when he came he into lived the league. Up to the like hype. He, did, he was like, man. Let me tell you something. Yep. Tisdale was another guy like Shaq, man. Big, massive, but he was so feathery, though, man. Ooh, yeah, so soft good. with it. Ooh. Oh, my goodness, man. They tried to find new versions of him. Like, and I look at Stacey King. They thought Stacey King was going to be Wayman Tisdale. They thought Doug Smith at Missouri was going to be Wayman Tisdale. But you can't 
nobody could replicate what dude was capable of. Nope. He was a monster. Uh, my first five games. So, so I, I, I don't know if you guys, I'm, I'm sure you're aware you did your research. I'm the only undrafted rookie to start opening night. Right. Mm-hmm. So my first five games, I faced Charles Barkley, Sean Kemp, Wayman Tisdale, Lafonso Ellis, and I'm trying to think of the fifth. Uh, the fifth escapes me right this second. So, but I can tell you that after that fifth game, Randy Fun called me in his office and said, uh, we're probably not going to start you anymore because they was wearing my ass out. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> like, like, what an induction to the NBA. That's yes. my full five. Like, right. Welcome, welcome. I told Coach, I said, hey, man, I'm good with that. Like, yeah, let me come in against the second hey. unit. Maybe I can I can do something. But that first unit, Hey, let me tell you something. Can't nobody tell you you ain't did shit in your life. <laughs> somebody, somebody, oh, man, you ain't did shit, Tone. Hold on. I done got it. My, Nick, let me tell you something. I got it. Five yeah. Hall of Fame was fucking yeah. my first induction into the NBA. Don't tell oh, me. I don't you know. know. I, can, I can tell you who the fifth was. It was Carl Malone. Because <sighs> I, rem- I just remember it was five heaters. And, yeah, it was Carl Malone was number five. Yeah, life yeah. was uh, life was good. <sighs> you know, but I'm, you know I'm what? Kinda, Go ahead. I'm kind of speechless right now because, because see, that's that's always my thing. These cats be like, man, I want to get in the league. I ain't telling cats, yeah. But what you gonna do when you got a guard, Damon Little on Monday, Kyrie on Tuesday, Steph on Wednesday? I'm just like, what? Hey, look, what you running into? And you chose the highest of the high. You ain't yes. even talking about. Russell Westbrook and Dennis Schroeder and Chris Paul and Trey Young and and Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, like you, I mean, do you really want this smoke? Do you really man, want? They don't want the smoke because they're the same guys that won't get in the gym. They won't even get in the gym. <laughs> won't even get in the gym. You know, I and, and I know you guys have seen these people. We've all dealt with them at one point or another. I have actually had people say stuff to me like, "Yeah, but you didn't play." So I don't even know what that means. Yeah, right. but you didn't play. Right. What, what, what does that about? even mean? There are, at the time, there were 411 players in the NBA. Right? And I said, and this is the way I looked at it. This is still the way I look at it. And this is the way, this is my mentality in business today. I was one of the top one-tenth of one percent of basketball players in the world. Absolutely. And I don't care what you've done in business. I don't care what you've done in other things or what you've done in life. If you can't say that you were top one of top, top one tenth of 1% in your field over an extended period of time, don't talk to me, right? Don't try to diminish what I'm capable of is what I'm saying. I'm not well, putting him put down. It, right. I just put it this way. I just be telling cats, listen, Hey man, the last man on the bench is still get you 30. So, <laughs> and I used to I used to do that in summer leagues when they let us go. Oh man, it's my time. I get to handle the ball, I get to be me. I'm the gold of my era. I've been a trending topic. I'm as fly as a feather. My pocket's macroscopic. See, with time, I get better. I'm always in the action, kid. No, I got it locked from Chicago where the toughest live. Concrete jungle, earn my stripes on the pavement there. You make it here, then you can make it anywhere. 
no comparison. Your game is embarrassing. No one can touch me, I'm all but going there again. Yeah, I think I'm ballin' like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha Agee. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me. Yeah, I think I'm ballin' like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha Agee. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me. Hoop Dreams, the podcast, an Unlearning Network production. Written and produced by Arthur Agee, Will Gates, Matt Hoffer, with audio engineering from Matt Savage. For more episodes, check us out at www.unlearningnetwork.com. Gotta be a dog to survive in this cold weather. Ice in my veins, no need for a warm sweater. I'm coming for it all, best believe I won't let up, yeah. Hey, I think I'm ballin' like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha Agee. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me. Yeah, I think I'm ballin' like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha Agee. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me.